Transformative change is difficult, but it can also be a powerful catalyst for growth and innovation. My name is Michael Carter, President and Managing Partner at Level 5, and this is the Opportunity Unleashed podcast. Each episode, I speak with a business leader who has successfully championed transformative change within their organization and or have had to navigate it within the market they play in. Regardless of the challenge, they have demonstrated strong leadership throughout the journey. Today, I'm excited to welcome Ryan Duffy, founder and CEO of Blackstone Energy Services. Ryan, the name itself gives us a sense of what Blackstone does, but for those who aren't familiar with your company, give us a quick snapshot of what you do and the problem you're solving. Sure. Thank you, Michael. Happy to be here. Uh, quick snapshot, we, are, we help deliver responsible energy management for clients that are typically spending more than a million dollars in utilities on an annual basis. And uh, we're helping them with the complexities of commodity changes, uh, regulatory legislation changes, the evolving carbon markets, carbon liability, and... Um, you know, we, we've recognized that a long time ago, our clients really don't have the bandwidth uh, that you would get in a full energy department. So that's really what we're bringing to the table, that, that uh, breadth and depth and um, expertise. Very cool. Yeah. You know, part of what, and we've known each other for a little while now, I mean, part of what I love about Blackstone is that you're not just solving these problems for your clients, but really for the planet at large. Uh, which I think makes Blackstone a little bit unique and special in that regard. So talk to me a little bit about purpose and what it means to you to be in a purpose-driven organization. Well, you know what? We didn't really start out that way. We, if, if we had a vision in the early days, it was to help our clients and be helpful, be valuable. And uh, as we started to crack the code, I guess, on being helpful as it relates to energy management, we realize that it's energy does touch everything in somebody's organization and their supply chain. So we started to um, continue to expand the definition of what we're trying to do and how we're trying to be helpful to people. And um, with some great advisors and a great team, we eventually landed on a purpose, a very strong purpose of trying to take all of our clients to net zero by 2050, something that we established in 2016 after um, being a part of the Paris Agreement uh, proceedings that happened in 2015. So that strong purpose uh, continues to guide us today, continues to guide the team, and uh, I think is quite helpful from a a client engagement perspective too, because they know what our vision is and what our, our mission is. Ryan, there's, I don't have to tell you this, but uh, you know, there's growing social and government pressure for organizations to adopt new climate strategies that help them get to that net zero target. Where do you see the greatest opportunities for companies to get there? Uh, super question. It is uh, definitely on the mind of all organizations and governments today, not only in Ontario and Canada, but certainly throughout the world. And um, You'd be surprised at how many people have picked a goal without having a strategy. So I think, you know, in order to get to your destination, in order to accomplish what you've set out to accomplish, 
you really do need a full appreciation of what it takes to get to net zero. You need to have that plan. There's physical components that you need to look at, as well as financial requirements. And a little bit of a spoiler alert here, it is expensive to get to net zero, and it will take a long time, but I don't want that to be confused with um, delaying starting. Like the most important thing, the biggest opportunity uh, people can take advantage of right now is starting their climate strategy plan and completing it, like mm -hmm. completing it in 2023. Uh, because there is all sorts of, of um, changes in legislation that are coming, especially on the financial regulation side of things that are going to force people to, to be accountable. So be proactive and complete that. I guess yeah. education is part of it, right? Because I think 100%. you look at the targets for 2030 and the other targets for 2050. Yeah. It seems like a long way off, yeah. but it's going to catch up to you. People who don't know enough are punting it down the road only to find out that it's too late to get even close to it when they decide to embrace it. So I imagine that's part of your job right now is trying to educate your clients that, yeah. no, no, you got to start thinking about this now and you've got to start taking action now. And to your point, planning now if you're going to even have a chance of getting close to those targets by 2030 or yeah. 2050. Is that fair? That's totally fair. Yeah. It's um, bringing perspective to our clients, not only what's going on as far as legislation and regulation, um, but also technology uh, that's available for, for them. Uh, we've always prided ourselves on trying to get to know our clients' business better than they do themselves. Mm -hmm. And so we do have an appreciation for the mountains that need to be moved with the energy infrastructure that they're already currently using. So this is 2030, 2040, 2050. They are a ways away. 2030 is not that far away. No. And if you really look at it and the federal government wants people to drop their GHG emissions by 40%. That That's massive. By 2030. By 2030. Yeah. Um, so it'll be, it'll be, uh, it's a, Tough to get there, but if you don't start to chip away at it, there's no silver bullet. You can't jump to the to the finish line. If you don't start to chip away at it, the the amount of um, challenge or, or the hill just continues to get bigger as you get closer to those due dates. So mm -hmm. that's why completing a plan as soon as possible is so important. So you and I have talked about this a bit before. <clears throat> Spend a couple of minutes talking about carbon credits because that yep. seems to be the easy, quick win for companies. Yeah. And I appreciate your perspective on credits because even though that looks, it's the shiny object now, it's a way to get a quick win to drop your emissions. But yep. I think you believe you're, for companies that are only looking at that, they're kind of missing the point. Yeah, I think when most companies look at this, they realize it's very difficult, it's very disruptive and very expensive. So what, else, what other choices do we have? Mm -hmm. And um, uh, carbon credits has been that go-to as far as feel good. Got to do something. Um, Got to do something. I'm, I'm showing that I'm doing something by by making these purchases. Uh, but it's it's also, there's been a lot of bad actors right. um, in, in going way, way back um, to even when Europe started to um, uh, put a price on carbon yeah. more than a decade ago. What, we're, what we would like to see people do, there's, there's two things that are happening in the marketplace. Um, number one, fundamentally, we believe trees are more valuable alive than they are dead because they are the, the largest natural carbon sequestration uh, technology, if you want to call yeah. it out there, natural technology. Um, 
so cutting them down uh, eliminates that and burning them obviously puts more. more carbon back into the atmosphere. So it's more like a an investment because it's the right thing to do. It's not to offset what you're emitting. Right. Now that being said, there are some standards coming out. Carney's been Mark Carney's been leading a group for a while to try to get to the bottom of standardization of carbon credits because there are organizations that are making investments in reducing carbon and they want to monetize that and help bring some additional incentives to, to the table. So I think it's actually in March, Carney's group um, has got the carbon credit pillars uh, that are being established, which is sort of the first beachhead to um, start to categorize different standards for carbon credits that people can at least have an appreciation that what they're buying is real and it's being helpful. Uh, but it, again, it doesn't necessarily mean it's going to cover off your right. emissions. That it's not the only thing you should be doing. It's not the be-all, end-all of getting to the exactly. zero. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Ryan, with the proliferation of digital media, um, that means access to information. There's lots of noise out there. Uh, a lot of us have heard the term greenwashing before. Mm-hmm. How do you help your clients, you know, either filter through the noise, but more importantly, guide them through the decision-making process so they're not just paying lip service to this kind of initiative or, or, or element, but they're actually contributing towards it and being part of the solution, if you will. Right. Yeah, I think um, from our experience that that fear of greenwashing has um, kept many companies frozen, really, from, from taking action and doing the right thing. And as I mentioned earlier, like getting started sooner um, is the most important thing. So I think what we've experienced, the, the best way for clients to feel like they've got a good path through this and they can um, reject some of the, the you know, um, bad media or misnomers that are out there, you know, completing that climate strategy back to that is is the most important thing and i think a lot of our clients don't deny that that would be a great thing but they're almost letting perfect get in the way or being the enemy of good hmm. and they're they're afraid to start because it's just it's such a big task it's such a big it's confusing, challenge it's, it's complex. confusing yeah. but you know what by completing a strategy it's real because it's about your business, it's about your energy assets, it's about where you think your growth is going to be in decades from now, and it's defendable mm-hmm. today. And that's the best position anybody can get in, is they're aware of what they um, uh, what their emissions are, they're aware of their challenges, they're being accountable with a plan, and stuff will change. Mm-hmm. And as long as they're willing to adapt their strategy along the way and morph that as technology changes and regulations and standards uh, come into play, then that is that is the, the sound sort of safe path. Let's talk about talent for a second. You know, competitive labor market, uh, you know, all over the papers, lots of turbulence, lots of change, a uh, lot of people looking at career changes, a lot of students coming out of school with different mindsets from maybe when we were younger. Mm-hmm. Curious how you're able to attract and retain great talent during these kind of transitional or transformational times that we're seeing and, and what makes Blackstone different? Okay. Uh, great question and certainly something that uh, uh, is on our radar and, and uh, we're being very mindful of 
these days, it's definitely a new fluid employment market, that's for sure. And when we started the company, even for the first decade uh, or so of being in business, it, it wasn't something that we were overly concerned with. But thankfully, I think we're on the good side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, we are, our, our, our purpose, our vision is to help our clients uh, get to net zero. And that's very strong. It's woven into everything that we do. And um, I think when we, we do get certainly a lot of people coming out of university or switching from other industries, uh, coming to us, uh, talking about our purpose, talking about our vision, and that that's the kind of company that they want to be working for. But if they, if they on the surface, that's great. I'm glad we're able to attract them. What keeps them, though, I think is the work that we're actually doing because we're not just giving advice to people on how to get to net zero. We're actually doing that for them. The, 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 the employees and team members are actually seeing the impact of their work. And I think it's uh, super rewarding. I mean, I know it is for me and I know it is for our management team. And we do hear feedback from our are the rest of the team on that is that that impact and the work that they're doing is um, is uh, pretty special. And the other thing, I don't know, I guess this is a little bit of a unique um, differentiator for the company. I've always tried to run a pretty flat organization. Uh, we've always respected everyone's opinions and everyone's got a, a, you know, valued on the team. And I don't know all the answers. And I, I know my executive doesn't know all the answers. So we're always uh, getting the whole team involved. I think especially people coming new to the industry or new into working in general, they appreciate that they get access to senior management and, uh, and that everyone's opinion is, is heard. And that it, it helps us. And I think it helps them feel like this is a place where they want to be working. Yeah, it's always, I think you and I have talked about this before. I've always been a big believer that you're only as good as the people you surround yourself with, Absolutely. which makes that kind of people equation so critical. Yeah. Um, not having all the answers, but knowing that you can rely on the breadth of your team and the experience of your team to get there together 100%. and figure it out together when you yeah. don't know the answer, which is so powerful. I couldn't agree with you more. Yeah. You touched on this before. Um, you know, just the level of change that's going on in your space, not just kind of in organizations and, and their drive to net zero, but even kind of in your particular segment of the industry. And you, you know, you can wake up one morning, the government's changed, policies have changed, people have changed, budgets have changed, technology's kind of coming in at a rapid pace that's mm-hmm. fundamentally transforming the sector. As a leader now, you know, how do you plan, f- how, how do you plan for the future when it is so uncertain mm-hmm. and it's hard to predict? So how do you continue to inspire your team throughout so much change? A great question. I think um, as a team, there's more things that are certain than uncertain. I think because of our area of expertise and the work that we're doing, we are certain that climate change is here and we need to do something about it. And it's not just our own calculations. I mean, there's been tons of independent scientists globally, you know, challenging the world's leaders that something needs to be done on it. Um, I also believe that, you know, we've never built uh, a climate strategy or a plan specifically around government 
incentives or, or agendas. And because um, obviously there's risk in, in, in doing that. But we are firm believer, believers that provincially, uh, federally, globally, the leaders are all aligned that there is a challenge here. So that is comforting that even if the, the, the political parties change, there is still a strong thread of addressing climate change there. So it'll, it'll just be in a different shape and form that, uh, that the new government wants to put on there. So, so that, that definitely gives us more certainty than it ever has. And that's part and parcel to what happened. Um, so the, the Paris Agreement was established in 2015 where the, the world decided to come together. And it wasn't until 2021 in uh, Glasgow where the rules were set. So now that the rules are set, that, that brings a lot of certainty. There's still fine-tuning and standards and things like that that need to be established so people can take the action, but the direction that we're going is, um, is pretty certain. And, and, I, and I think, you know, when you look at Moore's Law and um, what's happening with technology, we also believe that things will get cheaper, better, faster from a technology perspective, and that's something that you can bet on where fossil fuels and commodities are getting are certainly more volatile than they've ever been they're not getting any less expensive um, costs um, that, that that may be taxed on fossil fuels with carbon levy like it's it's uh, the, the better bet is definitely on on technology so those those kind of cornerstones I think help the team stay aligned um and so it's kind of like a line around the foundation a line around the certainties yeah but it's also a reflection maybe of the type of team that you need in place because they need to be <clears throat> nimble and agile and open to navigate the change as well and that's not for everybody necessarily right it really isn't and um you know i think if i had to describe our our team in general um a strong value that we all carry is being a climate crusader and and that doesn't mean that. that we're we're just hugging trees for the sake of hugging trees. It is there is an economic profitable way to address climate change and still thrive as a business, thrive as an economy, and that's that's the that's what we're trying to solve for. And um, yeah, with with all the Blackstone Climate Crusaders running around with that sort of mindset, it does help provide. Uh, a guiding light, I think, for the team. And how do you as a leader kind of anchor around that and continue to not just see the success you've had as an organization, but even you and the role you've been in for so long now? Yeah. How does that help you with your own leadership style and how you lead your team? Well, it's that's a great question because I think um, there are lots of changes going on out there. So I think the if you've got a team that's hungry to solve a problem, They've got lots of questions all the time. Um, so being available and ready to, to answer all of those questions, to give them those guiding lights, to let them know that let's not worry about, let's say, for example, hydrogen today. That's not something that our clients are going to be able to utilize for their next fiscal year. It's something down the road. It might be a decade down the road. We're going to keep an eye on it, but don't spend all your time there. So I think... As a leader, helping our client or our, our team filter um, um, is not only good for them 
to make sure that their efforts are going in the right place. But it's also good because that filter goes out to our clients too. We don't want to confuse mm -hmm. our clients any more than they already are in regards to the complexities in the energy space. It's almost thinking about it from the perspective of you, you know, you've part of your style and what you just described is you don't have all the answers. Yeah. And I think part of that permeates down, not just to your team, sure. but also to your clients, but it's yeah. also making everybody comfortable with that's okay. Yep. Cause we're going to figure this out. We've got our hand on the, the till a little bit. We know to your point, some of the certainties give us the guide, but yep. your comfort level with uncertainty and change kind of is infectious, if you will. And, is a is a bit of a strategy for how you not just you lead but how you guide your clients to right. a certain extent, which Absolutely. is powerful. Yep. Cool. Absolutely. Yeah. So I want to stay in the uh, the leadership lane for a little bit longer, if you will. Mm -hmm. You've been at this for almost twenty years now, and yep. if you think of where you started and where you are today, and, and the lessons you've learned along the way, the challenges that you've faced. What advice would you give to emerging leaders in terms of those lessons and that you, all the things you've learned throughout the journey from just a pure leadership skill set or style perspective? Well, maybe two, two bullet points. Okay. Try to keep it simple, right? Um, be flexible. But maybe even more important than being flexible or open to change because change is, is a given understanding what your unique ability is and hire around that. That's um, something I didn't learn until probably um, 12 years ago. I didn't know it at the very beginning, but if, if, if you can figure out what your unique ability is and put those people around you mm -hmm. to, to make up for what doesn't give you energy, using a pun sort of thing here, <laughs> then that's, that is, that's the absolutely best approach. It's interesting. That resonates with me. If I think back to the first tech company that I started, mm -hmm. and I learned that the hard way as well. And it was almost from the perspective of, you know, just because you can do or perform that role doesn't yeah. mean you should. Exactly. Right? It's You might be able to wing marketing or yeah. play in the finance space because it's small and you're, you, you've got a handle on it. But it so, doesn't necessarily mean you're the best person for that role. Yeah. Nor are you allowing your company to thrive by not having someone in that role. Yeah. Yeah, it's not that you can't do it. Right. It's just there's some things that you probably shouldn't. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Now, probably a bit of the same question, maybe, but I'm going to ask it a different way just in case it creates any other uh, sure. thoughts for you. If you And you touched on it maybe with this idea of making sure you surround yourself with the right people. But if you could go back 20 years and you're talking to your, yourself at the outset of Blackstone, mm -hmm. any advice you'd give to yourself now that you know what you know? You could see what unfolded over the yeah, last 20 years? I, I think, I think, so the, the last question, sort of understanding your unique ability, that's that's um, a great mm -hmm. advice that um, I, I came to and, and realized. But I think as far as going back in time, if I was to sort of redo it a little bit, um, having somebody on the team that would help with the implementation and documentation of process hmm. that, um, that, that, that we were creating at, um, at the beginning. And I mean, we're still creating that today. Yeah. And we have people on the team today that are helping us with that. But if we could have started way back when with, um, you know, as we're drinking from the fire hose and yeah. cutting a new path, if there was somebody on the team that was documenting, categorizing, uh, refining that process 
as we continue to sort of push through uh, the jungle, I think that would have been amazing. It would have been, it would have made for such a fantastic platform to continue to improve and accelerate growth. So is that maybe said another way? It's how do you help yourself accelerate the maturity of the organization? Because it's yeah. kind of going from startup chaos, controlled chaos, I like to yeah. call it. In my yeah, yeah. But it's how do you kind of capitalize on everything you're learning at that point in time and creating and make sure that you're, you know, maybe standardizing isn't the right word for it, but at least creating a quicker or better method behind the madness that yeah. you can leverage as you grow and continue to evolve as an organization. Yeah, it's, it's similar to what we were saying. That it's, it's not that you can't do it, but you shouldn't. And when you're an entrepreneur and you're in the weeds, like in the very beginning yeah. as an entrepreneur, you're working in the business. Yep. And it usually takes, or what I've seen and what I've experienced it takes quite a long time for an entrepreneur to realize they need to be working on the business instead of in the business. So if you had somebody on your team that was actually working on the business and trying to help lay down some of these processes and things like that, standards, um, yeah, it could only be beneficial. That's cool. I yeah. like the way you put that. Yeah, that's neat. Thank you for that. Yeah. And, uh, you know, thank you for joining me today. No problem. I've been inspired by you and your company from the moment we met. And I, you know, Back to your purpose, you know, you play such, you continue to play such a big role in Canada's efforts to drive to net zero. Yeah. And to steal one of your own expressions, you know, keep creating good energy for people, the planet, and the bottom line. Yeah. So thank you for joining me today. It's awesome. been great. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it.